Topic for this evening is the historic origins of the second day of Shavuot. We begin with an obvious point, and that is that Shavuot, according to the Torah, is a one-day holiday. How do we know that? So look in the source page. Vayikra 23, verse 21. So this is referring to the day on which the Shtehalechem, the two loaves of wheat bread, are brought on the altar, which is the specialty sacrifice of the holiday of Shavuot, in contrast to the barley offering of Pesach. And that day is a day when Melechet Avodah is forbidden. You can't, do, you can't do work. It's a Yom Tov. But that is a day, one day. It's not a Shivat Yamim. It's not a week-long festival, as you would find with Pesach and Sukkot. Also, we find in the book of Bamidbar, chapter 28, verse 26, the Maftir reading in Parshat Penchas, On the day of the first fruits, when you bring your Mincha Chadasha, your, your new grain offering, okay, no work shall be done. But it's referred to as the Yom HaBikurim, the day, the single day of the Bikurim. So this holiday is a one-day holiday. Well, when, when, when does this holiday occur? What, what, what day of the year is it? Okay, so it's It's 49 days after the bringing of the Omer sacrifice, which itself is done on the morrow of the Sabbath, which rabbinic Judaism interprets as being the second day of, of, uh, of Pesach. So counting the 50th day is Shavuot. When is that on the calendar? So in our, in, in, in our official established calendar, it's the sixth day of Sivan. In the days when things fluctuated based upon testimony and the decisions of the high court, it could have been the fifth, sixth, or seventh of Sivan. It could go one day in either direction or on the sixth. Okay. Why should so, that be if you're counting 49 days, no matter when? Because, be, because, be, because in the, uh, in the uh, cycle that we have, which is fixed, the month of Nisan is 30 days, and the month of Iyar is 29. However, that need not necessarily be the case. It could be that both would be 30, in which case the holiday would be on the 5th of Sivan, or both could be 29, in which case it would be on the 7th of Sivan. It's, 49, it's, it's a count of 49 days after the second day of Pesach, but what date on the, on the calendar is that, that can fluctuate depending upon the, si- the, the size of the month. Why is that important? Uh, so, because 49 days... So it's not, it's, it's not important other than... A, a curiosity, because it, it's, it's different from what we have now. We have absolute fixed on the 6th. Back in the old days, it wasn't always the case. The Tosefta bothers to point that out, that it could be one of three possibilities. Okay. So, with this said, we now have to ask ourselves, why in general were there uh, second days of holidays observed in regions of the world far from Eretz Yisrael? And notice I avoided the word the diaspora. I don't want to use that term because, and the reason I don't want to use that term is because it will influence our thinking about where the second day should be observed, making it appear as though there is an absolute border at the, at the boundary of Eretz Yisrael and Chutz when in fact that's not where the boundary was. Okay. So, the Gemara in Beitza tells us the following. Hashta di yedainan bekibua diyarcha, my taima avdinan shre yomi. Now that we know the establishment of the months, why do we observe two days of the festivals? 
we don't address which festivals those are, but generally speaking, why do we, in the distant provinces, observe two days of the festivals, now that we know the Kibu'a the kibu Diyarcha. What is the Kibu'a Diyarcha? So it's a, bit, a little bit of a vague term. It could mean that now that uh, in post-year uh, 358 and Hill II, the patriarch of the land of Israel, establishing a fixed calendar, so we no longer have need for witnesses and testimony in the high court, we know exactly what to do based upon uh, rules that could be written down, and you could have the Encyclopedia Judaica, 100-year calendar, and it's all set and done for you. All right, that could be what the explanation is. This is therefore We'll get to it, we'll get to it. Or, Kibbut could mean not that there was a fixed calendar based upon the decisions of the patriarch of the land of Israel, but rather that we in the diaspora simply know astronomically what is the right day. Meaning we have the scientific and halachic knowledge to get it right. I ask you, people in this room, do you know all the rules of the calendar? And do you know all the rules of astronomy that, that, that help uh, create the calendar? No. It's a sophisticated body of knowledge okay, that very few people had. But once it was available to at least the experts of the diaspora, you could argue that they no longer need the decisions of the land of Israel and the authorities of, uh, of the Sanhedrin or of the great court, wherever that court might be located, whether it's in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount or in the Galilee in the in late Tanitic period. We don't need your rulings anymore because we can figure it out on our own. We're smart enough. Okay, that's what Kibur Diyacha could mean, one of those two possibilities. Now, by the way, uh, Shmuel, the great Amora Shmuel, who died in 247, he was a, a, a brilliant astronomer. And they say that he knew the, uh, the galaxy like he knew the back alleys of, uh, of Naharda. That it, he was very familiar with, 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 the, with the sky. And he tried to establish a calendar for Babylonia for six months or 12 months at a time without the permission of the authorities of Eretz Israel for which he was uh, chastened, let's put it that way. He was uh, reprimanded. Similarly, a hundred years earlier, Hanania Ben-Achi Rabbi Yehoshua, um, the nephew of Rabbi Yehoshua, also tried to create a calendar for the diaspora, and he was told you're not allowed to. Uh, the law goes forth from Zion, which means that calendrical issues which unify the Jewish people must be decided in the land of Israel and not in a faraway place. So every now and then you have these attempts to establish independent calendars for the diaspora, um, n- not out of active rebellion, but simply out of convenience. You know, I mean, we want to know what to do, and if we have an absolute calendar, there's no need for a second day yontif because there's no more doubt. Okay, all right. But those were all suppressed. Those efforts were suppressed. But now that the Gemara is saying, well, we know what the truth is. There's no point in suppressing anything. We know the facts. So why do we still keep two days of Yom Tov? So here we. Are you talking about all Yom Tov, or are you talking about Shavuot? No, all, all Yom Tovim. All Yom Tovim here. So the Gemara answers, Mishum Deshalchu Mitam, because a message was sent from there. Now, the, the expression, Shalchu Mitam, and in Aramaic, Tam equals Sham, from there, um, is, a, is, a, is an expression used to describe when an epistle, a letter, is sent by Rabbi Yossi of the land of Israel in the mid-fourth century, who sends authoritative rulings to the people, to the communities of Chutzlaretz. So, Shalchumitam, a message was sent from Eretz Yisrael that said the following, 
be careful to adhere to the custom of, the, of your forefathers, which is in your hands. So basically, whatever your fathers were doing, you do the same thing. Despite the fact that you have more accurate knowledge of the calendar, for whatever, courtesy of whatever reason, you have more accurate knowledge than your grandparents did, still do what they did. Why? Zimnin de Gazu Shmada, because it's possible that there'll be anti-Semitic decrees issued again by the government, Viatila Kalkule, and it'll result in a problem, in a, uh, 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 an error being, uh, being committed. What, what does that mean? Well, sure, there's a, there's, a, there's a fixed calendar, and you could even look in the Encyclopedia Judaica and know, know till the 2020 what, what, uh, what, what, what the appropriate day is. But by the way, that, they need to update it because we're almost at 2020. It was printed in 1970 from, from 1920 to 2020, 100 years, 50 years in both directions, and now it's almost over. We need a new one. But now we have the internet. You have Hebcal. With Hebcal, it's, it's all good. You can look up any date you want. So, Except on Shabbat. Well, yeah, it's true. That's true. And what Pasha? That's that's also true. Um, so, but but still, you need to know a body of knowledge to produce this calendar, and it's quite possible that in times of anti-Semitic persecution, sophisticated knowledge of Judaism will be lost. Okay, if only the greats of the game know the complicated halachot of Kiddush HaChodesh and the Luach, then in time of crisis, uh, maybe nobody of that uh, great stature will exist or will survive the persecution, and Judaism will, will, will falter. Therefore, adhere to the old custom of observing two days of Yom Tov. Two days of Yom Tov. It seems to be a fallacy there. First of all, yeah. this is beyond the question of Adam because there are no more Adam in 450 AD. That's number one. Uh, that is not actually so clear. Uh, although there was a fixed calendar, it's possible, and according to Sasha Stern, a great historian in England, um, uh, they still did like a pro forma ceremony with witnesses and with a high court as late as like the eighth or ninth century. And that determined the younger. No, it was going to be what it was going to be no matter what. But at least they went through the motions of a ceremony. So they went through motions of ceremony, yeah. and you didn't have, whatever the ceremony was, you still relied on a scientifically based calendar. Yes, yes. So then there's no reason to have two days. You're right, you're right. But the whole point is that the, the scientifically based calendar is complicated, and complicated learning uh, in the you know, pre-modern era can be lost in, a, in an hour of shmad. Okay, today, with the internet, with... with, with, with you wouldn't know which day altogether. You already no. know the right day, you're adding another day. I mean, I think it's all because Jewish chutzpah. Uh-huh. <laughs> one day a week at work. Uh-huh. Anybody can do that. Okay. Okay. So that 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 goes to my old theory of, of once something enters the body of Judaism, it's hard to take it out. However, 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 uh, this custom of the of the ancestors, which Rabbi Yossi in the fourth century is telling the people to preserve. You could ask a very good question. Well, how old was that custom in the first place? When did that even start? I'm tonight discussing the second day Shavuos. What about second day of any holiday? When, when does that come about? Well, that goes way back. 
Okay, so it depends who you ask. If you look in the Encyclopedia Talmudit, and in, uh, in the footnotes, they'll give you a half a dozen different theories as to when Yom Tov Sheni began. With the earliest theory being, from the days of Yehoshua ben Nun, if there were Israeli ambassadors to Mongolia, they had to keep uh, two days Yantif, because they didn't know when Rosh Chodesh was. How do you like that answer? That sounds a little ridiculous, in my opinion. But it was authored by someone much more learned than me. Uh, okay, so, so one theory is it goes back to the days of the, of, of the Bible, of the first temple. Another theory is it goes back to the days of the Babylonian captivity, which is not a, not a bad theory. That's a, that's a reasonable theory. You have a significant body of the population in Chutz La'aretz. Maybe there's a measure of uncertainty. Who knows? Uh, that's another theory. However, more likely, more likely, in the early stages of Judaism the calendar was not the lunar solar calendar that we know today of rabbinic Judaism, but rather was a solar calendar with a 364-day year as uh, set forth in the Book of Jubilees, the Sefer HaYovlim. Okay? Uh, If you read the Torah, and for that matter, other books of the Tanakh, without the the pre-existing bias of the rabbinic calendar, and you just look at it plainly, you could see, if you wanted to, you could see a 12-month year with 364 days fo- following the sun, not following the moon. There's never any, it never says anywhere that the, 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 the Chodesh um, is necessarily a lunar month um, with a metonic cycle to, to, to correct for the, the 354 days versus the 365 days. That's what we have in, in our practiced religion today. But who's to say it existed previously? There may have been a, a solar calendar. Yeah. I'm saying Chodesh implies lunar because it's a because it's a renewal. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. The, the thing you would throw off the seasons with the holidays also. Eventually, you would because you'd lose one day a year. Right. So there's a so there's a problem with the Jubilees calendar. Granted, there's a problem. There was just as there was a problem with the Roman calendar, and they had to to periodically correct it. We had the situation of the Gregorian calendar, Washington's birthday. And well, that's an example of the correction. Yeah. The, the, the Julian calendar is being replaced with the Gregorian because it's 11 days off. Okay, but I just mentioned this briefly to tell you that maybe there was no second day of Yom Tov in biblical times or even most of the Second Temple period because it wasn't the calendar that we're accustomed to now. On that theory, when does the second day of Yom Tov begin? Sometime, probably in the second century BCE, or maybe even a little bit later, when the Seleucid calendar, the lunar solar calendar, becomes the Jewish calendar, and you have the proclamation of month by the Re'iyah, by seeing the moon, and people who live far away don't know, and out of doubt, they keep a second day of the holiday. Second time, yes. We can, it's, it's too long of a conversation and I'm not prepared to answer it right now. I don't want to give a, 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 a flawed answer. Okay, so if this custom had been around for, let's say, two, three hundred years, four hundred years in the Chutz La'aretz of keeping uh, a second day of Yom Tov, well, which Yom Tov would they be keeping? Uh, two days. So those Yom, those Yom Tovim where there is a measure of doubt. Well, is there likely to be greater measure of doubt on uh, Pesach or on Sukkot? Say Pesach. Why? Because uh, Sukkot is reliant on Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so that's exactly the reason why it's the opposite. Okay, so 
Pesach is the 15th of Nisan. The messengers who are going out to declare the word can travel on 12 out of the first 14 days of the, of the month. Why 12? Because you can't travel on Shabbos. Why can't you travel on Shabbos? Well, Tchum and other issues of Malacha, but because messengers, or rather witnesses who see the new moon, are allowed to violate Shabbos. They are. They can travel a very far distance, they can carry, they can do whatever they need to do. They can take billy clubs to beat off a, 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 um, you know, a listing, the bandits on the highway. They can, they can do malacha. But, but, those who are informing the public about Rosh Chodesh that was already declared cannot violate Shabbos. So, so in month of Nisan, they have 12 out of 14 days. In 12 days, you can travel pretty far. In Tishrei, how many days can they travel? Of the 14 days before Sukkot, they cannot travel on the first day, which is Rosh Hashanah. First, they ca- first day, which is Rosh Hashanah. Not the, the second day is not a problem for them because they know when Rosh Hashanah is. It's a problem for others who have to keep two days because they don't know. But the messenger knows they can't travel the first day. They also can't travel on Shabbos. They also can't travel on Yom Kippur. Okay, and they have to stuff their faces with food on Erev Yom Kippur. And you can't travel fast on a full stomach. So, for all, for all these reasons, you, you get further geographically on your travels in Nisan than you do in Tishrei. Therefore, what might happen? There are places in the diaspora, in the Jewish world, that are, are aware of the correct day and correct holiday in Nisan, but not in Tishrei. And so, whereas the really far places would have to keep a double yontif in Nisan and Tishrei, some places would only have to keep it in Tishrei, but not Nisan. However, what happens if you're doing one thing, but not the other? You get mixed up. Therefore, let's look on the page. So the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Chafalaf Amadalaf. Machriz Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan made the following decree. Now when did Rabbi Yochanan live? So he dies in the year 279. So we're, t- we're talking about mid to late 3rd century of the Common Era. Rabbi Yochanan is the leading rabbi of Eretz Yisrael. So in the 3rd century, the rabbis of Eretz Yisrael have greater weight behind their pronouncements than the rabbis of Babylonia do. So whatever he says is going to go. All right. Machriz Rabbi Yochanan. In those parts of the Jewish world where the messengers arrive in the month of Nisan but do not arrive in the month of Tishrei, as we explained why that could happen. So, let them observe two days, okay, uh, protecting Nisan, lest you make a mistake in Tishrei. Meaning, if you were to keep one day Pesach, then in, this, in the fall, when it came to Tishrei, you might think, oh, I'll just keep one day now also. Not realizing that, no, you shouldn't. You should keep two because you really don't know when Yontif is. So it's a safeguard. We're keeping double Pesach as a safeguard against making an error on Sukkot. Okay. This applies also in parts of Eretz Israel. So with that logic... Possibly, yes. Yeah. With that logic, I live in America. Yeah. I decided to move to Israel because I held it two days here. I should hold it two days over No, because... When, when, you're, when you're changing location, you're going to follow the behaviors of that location, especially if, you're, if your move is permanent, uh, as opposed to this, what we're talking about here, where you're staying in the same place. It's just your, your brain wasn't functioning properly and you made a mistake to confusing one holiday with the other. As a safeguard against that, do the double observance both times. That sounds like a stretch. It's not such a stretch. 
Okay, remember, people were very ignorant back then. Yeah, but if you if you looked outside and it was rainy and it was cold, hey, it's Rosh Hashanah. If yeah. you looked outside in the spring and the flowers, hey, it's Pesach. I mean... Okay, so you know what holiday it is, but you could easily forget why one was observed two days and one was observed one day. The, the, Yeah. Why wouldn't they set up a calendar at least for the year? Why do they need messages? Okay. In other words, wouldn't you need a From Zion goes forth the Torah. One. Okay. The, the, the decisions about the calendar were the prerogative of Eretz Israel Jewry, and any attempt to, to rob them of that monopoly over these decisions was uh, aggressively uh, repulsed. Uh, by the authorities of Eretz Yisrael. This went on for a thousand years, even to the days of Ben Meir and, and the Gonim of, 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 uh, of Babylonia in the 9th century, uh, 10th century. Okay, so for a long time, this is a fight between various communities, with it being one of the, the limited areas of halakha that in the post-Temple era, Eretz Yisrael still is more important, more special than the, the, the communities of the diaspora. You can understand from a nationalist point of view or just a sentimental point of view why this means something to people. Okay. All right. Now, the Rashi, which you see on your page here, explains exactly what I've just been talking about, how the, the messengers could get further in uh, Nisan than they could in Tishrei, and therefore the need to protect Tishrei. But let's go to... Um, the Rambam. So skip the Gemara and Beitzah for a second. We're going to get back to that. It's going to be fun when we get back to that. So the Rambam in Hilchot Kiddush HaChodesh says the following. Yesh mekomot shayu magiyim nisan. There were those places in the diaspora where, or just those places, forget diaspora, there were places where the messengers in Nisan would arrive, but the Tishrei messengers would not arrive. Umin hadin, and by rule, by logic, they should make Passover for one day, meaning day one and day seven would be the Yom Tovim, not days one and two and seven and eight like we have. Okay. Um, uh, and they should make Sukkot two days, meaning days one and two, and maybe even days eight and nine for Shemini Atzeret, because the messengers didn't reach them. So then go to the end of the second line, in order not to distinguish between the various holidays, all those places where the messengers in Tishrei do not arrive, that they'll do two days of holiday. Now the last phrase, even the holiday of Atzeret. What is Atzeret? Shavuos. In rabbinic literature, Shavuot is called Atzeret. Okay, so the Rambam adds that last little bit to his halacha here. Does he have a, a Talmudic basis for that? It doesn't look like it. No, because you're, yeah. the, you're counting by 49. Okay, so forget the logic behind it. Is it, it no, put, put aside all issues of logic. Is there, in the, in the Talmudic passage that we read, any reference whatsoever to Shavuot? No, we didn't, we didn't see one until now. All we saw was Tishrei and Nisan, holidays of Pesach and Sukkot. So by what right does the Rambam have to throw in this line about, and also on Shavuot? So, so the low plug, we don't distinguish, is the logic to include Shavuot, but you're, you're relying upon, you know, some seichel here. The plain reading of the Talmud, it never said so. Well, the truth of the matter is, we do find two passages in the Talmud where there are references to the second day of Shavuot. And on the basis of those passages, we might be able to determine when uh, the holiday began. 
or when the holiday, the second day of the holiday was first observed. What are the historic origins of the second day of Shavuot? So let's go to the last source on the page, uh, Psachim 52a. It's a funny story. Rabbi Natan bar Asya, Rav Natan bar Asya went from the Academy of Rav to Pumbedita on the second day of Shavuos. What's wrong with that? Traveling. He traveled on Yontif. What is he, a reform rabbi? He's an idiot. So, Shamte Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef excommunicated him. He traveled on Yontif. What kind of, you can't do that. So, instead of putting in excommunication, you should have given him corporal punishment. All right, and the rest of this passage you don't have to worry about. But the point is that in the days of Rav Yosef, a rabbi was blamed, was taken to task for not keeping the second day of Atzeret, of Shavuot. So what does that tell us? Number one... Well, where did he live? He's going from, from Rav's academy, which presumably is in Surah, to Pumbedita. He's in Chutzlar, it's for sure. Yeah, but maybe so, he's living in yeah, but in those years, they didn't have the Mishagas about, you, you live here, but you do this. They're, they don't know the calendar yet. So, no, if he's in Babylonia, he doesn't know when, when Eretz Yisrael established the Rosh Chodesh. Okay, so, what does this passage tell you? Let's read it very, very carefully, very critically. What can we uh, derive from the, from the line? Number one, number one, in the days of Rav Yosef, the second day of Shavuot exists. That's the first point. It exists. Okay? Second point. Oh, it's in the Gemara. I'm saying it, 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 it exists. Point number two. It exists, but it is being flagrantly violated by a rabbi. So, huh? So, so, what is that? What can that tell you? That not everybody accepts it. Correct. Correct. That, and, and why would not everyone accept it? Putting aside the issue that the logic might be very far-fetched, anything that's new doesn't have immediate acceptance across the board. You're going to have those you know, pockets of resistance that say, oh, this, is not, this is not authoritative. So when does Rav Yosef live? End of the 3rd, early 4th century. When did Rabbi Yochanan live? He dies in 279. And he's the one who said, do two days of Pesach, lest you make a mistake about Sukkot, and you could reasonably uh, think, as the Rambam did, that based upon Rabbi Yochanan's uh, dictum, you should do Shavuos also. So let's assume the Rambam is right, and, that's what the, and that Rabbi, Yo- Rabbi Yochanan's statement, his instructions to the Chutzlaret's Jews, meant to include Shavuos as well. So in the immediate decades following that ruling, some people accepted it and some people didn't. And those who didn't got in trouble. That's what happened. The Rambam? He, he lived in, he's, he's born in 1135 and dies in 1204. So it's much later on that he could have just added on much later. Okay, so you're right. You're right that, that if, if there was no reference in the Talmud to the second day of Shavuot, and the Rambam in the 12th century had a throwaway line about the, about the Yom Tov Sheni Shalat we could reasonably argue without any historical evidence, just the, the statement of the Rambam, that he made it up, and that in the year 1150, nobody was keeping the second day Shavuos. If we didn't have the, 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 the literary record, I could think that, reasonably think that. But, 
We have two references in the Talmud to, 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 to second-day Shavuos. Therefore, the Rambam did not make it up out of whole cloth. He's, he's giving a reason for what we know exists. But the reference is to say that they didn't hold it. That one man got in trouble for violating You're it. You're bringing it up. Okay, so now let's go to the other source, which I didn't... What, what trouble did they bring? They put him in excommunication. Uh, temporarily, not, not permanently. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay, so now let's go to the other source. Let's go to the other source. Um, this is a... There's a Mishnah in Megillah. Mishnah in the last chapter of Megillah, Daf Lamed Amid Beis, talks about the Torah reading for the various holidays. And you'll, you'll explain to me what, what I'm reading here. Ba-Pesach, Korim parashat Moadot Shol Torat Kohanim. On Passover, we read Leviticus chapter 23, the holiday section of Pashat Emor. Okay, Batseret, on the holiday of Shavuot. What do we read? Shiva Shavuot. Where is that? No. No. Parshat Re'ei, Deuteronomy chapter 16. Uh, uh, well, that's what we do the second day, but, but the, the Mishnah says we read Shiva Shavuot, which uh, is known colloquially as Kol HaBachor, or Aser Ta'aser. Okay? Uh, it's, the, it's the reading of all the Yisker days. So, by the way, what's the problem with claiming that the reading was Shiva Shavuot? Not that it was Kol HaBachor or Aser Ta'aser, just Shiva Shavuot. The problem is that's like five lines. And uh, every aliyah has to have three psukim. And you have to have five aliyahs on yantin. So you have to have at least 15 psukim. And this is only a handful of psukim. So how could that be good enough? Answer, this Mishnah was prepared and rep- represents the, li- the liturgy of the synagogue before the, uh, the evolution of the, the, the laws of Kriyat HaTorah. In the bygone era, there were no rules about how many aliyahs there were, or how many psukim were in the, any given aliyah. There was just a reading, a very short and terse reading that was re- re- relevant to that holiday. Today, we do a longer reading to satisfy the requirements of aliyot, the number of verses in the aliyot. Okay. Yeah. 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 What what Pasha was this? Two weeks ago. Remember two weeks ago this was. Without being Motsi Laz on the person who received the Aliyah, I could speculate a reason. And that is to say that in Pasha Emor you have reference in the in the first Aliyah to prohibited marriages of a Kohen. And it's possible if you called up to the Torah, a Kohen who was, who was married to a Gerusha, you wouldn't want to embarrass him by having him read that line. So you cut it short after a few verses. I just totally made that up. But, it, but, but, but you can imagine why I made that up. A lot of rabbis make things up. Okay. So, now let, let's go to the Gemara. Because I, I, I brought this, this Gemara Megillah for a reason. The Mishnah talks about the Torah reading on the first days of the holiday. Because the Mishnah is a product of what country? Eretz Israel. Therefore, there only is one day of the holiday. But the Babylonian Talmud, which has to provide instruction and guidance for the community of the diaspora, where they're keeping two days, you're going to need to know, well, what is, what is the reading on the second day of the holiday? So let's go to the Gemara. It says, Ba'atzeret, Shiva Shavuot. So on, the, on Shavuot, you have the reading from Deuteronomy 16. Umaftirin bechabakuk. And you, know, you have the Haftorah, whatever the Haftorah might be. Acherim omrim, others say... Others say, 
Bachodesh Hashlishi, the Torah reading is in the third month, which is what? Exodus chapter 19 and 20, the Ten Commandments, okay? Umaftirin Bemerkava, and the Haftorah is the chariots of Ezekiel. Okay, Yecheskel. So, what do we do? On the, on the first day we do Bachodesh Hashlishi, and on the second day we do Shiva Shavuot, I mean the longer version of it. So, the Gemara now says, Idna, and nowadays, that there are two days of the holiday, we follow both opinions, but we reverse them. Meaning, on day one, we follow the opinion of the Yesh Omrim, that we do the Ten Commandments, and on day two, we follow the opinion of the Mishnah, that we do Deuteronomy chapter 16. Why? Because of the consensus opinion that the first day of Shavuot, the sixth of Sivan, is the anniversary of the Theophany of Sinai, the revelation, the Matan Torah. Therefore, it's more appropriate to read Bechodesh Ashlishi on day one as opposed to day two. Uh, now, by the way, and this relates back to what we learned two, three years ago when we did the holidays, um, this Yesh Omrim is a very, very rare example of what? No, no of a reference in rabbinic literature to Shavuos being what? Zman Matan Torah Senu. Our whole observance of the holiday of Shavuos is that it's the anniversary of the giving of the Torah. It's not in the Bible, it's not in the Mishnah, it's not in the Tosefta, it's nowhere. It appears in stray passages here and there in the, in the Bavli and the Midrash, in the later Midrash. Why? So the truth of the matter is that the notion of Shavuot as being a holiday that recalls the theophany or that is a renewal of some kind of covenant goes back at least to the early Second Temple period but was popular among the sectarians including the author of the Book of Jubilees, the, the Qumran sect, the Christians in the Book of Acts in the New Testament and the rabbis of, 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 the, uh, of, the, of the, the Prushim, the, 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 the Pharisaic and Rabbinic tradition were reluctant to adopt the same approach to Shavuos only did so out of necessity because if you don't call it Zmamatan Torah if you just have it as a Chagabi Kurim and there's no more temple, then what is Shavuos? It's nothing. It's like Columbus Day. It gets forgotten. So we're all saying That's also part of it. Since it's a one day holiday, we have to bolster it by giving it some theme that people can latch on to. So wouldn't you go into uh, It's not Minagagoyim. It's. Those are all Jewish groups. Uh, the, the, the Judeo-Christians. The, the, the Qumran are Jewish. The Book of Jubilees is even proto-Pharisaic. These are all Jewish groups, or quasi-Jewish groups in some cases. So there's an idea in ancient Israel of a relationship between the, the Pentecost, the, the Chag Shavuot, and covenant or renewal or giving of, of, of law. But the rabbis held back on it for a while because of other groups that they didn't like, you know, thinking that this is the, uh, the, the appropriate uh, interpretation of the holiday. Okay, so all this Gemara tells us is that there's a second day of Yontif on Shavuos. And it says, Veha'idna, nowadays. Well, when is nowadays? 450 AD. So the Talmud is codified roughly in the 5th century, 450, 475, but we don't know when that line was written, we can't really tell. So all we know is that by the end of the, of the Amoraic period, there is in Bavil a second day of Shavuos. From the other source, in Psachim, we know that from early in the Amoraic period, right after Rabbi Yochanan, there was a second day. So I'm going to say uh, pretty definitively that the, the second day of, of Shavuos was invented as a result of Rabbi Yochanan's edict 
regarding the Nisan and Tishrei uh, confusion. Was it that maybe the What do you mean? Did the respect mean, like, did the employers give you off from work? I don't know. Who had a Goyesha emplo- employer in those days? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So. Wouldn't you say rather that you have the second day Yantar for, yeah. for Pesach, you have the second day Yantar for Sukkot, not to confuse the Oilam, uh-huh. say everybody should be the same well, yeah. and that's it. okay so, so th- that's what the Rambam is reading into Rabbi Yochanan and I'm saying that, that uh, Rabbi Yochanan is the historic beginning of this practice now you, if, you, if you might want to claim well oh, Hoffman's wrong it predates Rabbi Yochanan it goes back all the way from the beginning but there's no evidence none whatsoever and there's no logic to it really either okay so why is it that this topic has not been widely discussed what, uh, no, not because it's at all, no. Yom Tov Sheni Shalgaliot is a very popular topic in the rabbinic literature, in that of the, the, of the Gaonim, of the Rishonim, of the Achronim. There's a lot of literature in Yom Tov Sheni. But whoever talks about why there's a second day of Shavuos? Really nobody. The Rambam is the first one to mention it with a, with a throwaway line in Hilchas Kiddush HaChodesh. Other than that, it's nowhere to be found. Why? Okay, so the answer is, the answer is that the terminology confused people. The terminology of Yom Tov Sheni Shalgaluyot gave the, even the learned public the impression that the second day of the holiday is always observed in the Galut, that the border is the border of Israel and the Chutz Laaretz, and that it's across the board for all holidays, even though as a matter of history and fact that wasn't really true. Not from the matter of, of the border. The border was not the border of Eretz Israel. It was wherever the messengers got and or got for some some chagim and not others. And the timing of the matter was not the beginning of Yom Tov Sheni in its history, but rather at a later date because of the decrees of the of the early Amorayim. Okay, who who does write about this and when did it ever come up? Now we get to the juicy part of tonight's topic. In 1831, in 1831, in the city of Brody, in Galicia. Okay, the chief rabbi of Brody was Rabbi Shlomo Kluger, and uh, there was a sick person, a sick man, death's door, second day shvus, and what what are we going to do? What are we going to do for this guy? So he had a wife, and he also had a brother, and he had no children, and the brother lives in Rome. This is bad news. Because if he dies, she's now subject to chalitza or yibum, to the dead guy's brother in Rome, and she has no money to get to, to Italy, or she has no visa, no passport, nothing. How is she going to solve her problem? She'll be in Aguna forever. So what can you do? Write a get on Yontif and divorce her. And so she's not subject to any Yibam Chalitza. How do you like that? Maybe before he dies. Before he dies. While he's still alive. He's still breathing his last breaths. All right, issue a divorce. Write it out on Yantif. Give it to the woman. Divorcee. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Sorry. 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 This was, there was no train service in 1831. It's a long trip from Brody to Rome. Okay? So, uh, so the Yad HaMelech, Rabbi Lazar Landau, who was the grandson of the Nod of Yehuda, Rabbi Yecheskel Landau, he said, let's write the get. Shlomo Kluger, the chief rabbi of the town, said, over my dead body. No way. 
So, and because uh, he felt this was a very important matter, after the fact, when the get wasn't written, and the guy, by the way, he lived one more day, they wrote the get the next day, so it all was a moot point. But, yeah, yeah. So, so he lived, it ended up not mattering, but, but uh, he wanted support for his ruling, so he turned to the Chassam Sofer, of Moshe Sofer, who at that time was, was uh, recovering from, from illness, he was at a spa in Romania, and, uh, and asked for, for a decision on, on this topic. Can you write a get on the second day of Shavuos? After the fact. After the fact. It wasn't Brody Park from Romania, at least the day he brought it. Okay, so the tshuva the, 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 the wasn't written right away, it might have written a few weeks later, a few months later even. All right, so let's look in the, on the source sheet, uh, where it says, Shut chasim sofer chelik alaf kuf memhei. There was a sick person the second day of the holiday. He had no sons. Uh, we were afraid the woman is going to become an aguna because the the the, the yavam the brother is b'makom rachuk mo'od b'yeromi. He's in in Rome in Italy. Aisha Ania and she's a poor woman. Vein behesek yada lahagi hasham. She doesn't have the money to get a you know passage to Rome. The uh, one of the rabbis locally wanted to write a get uh, on the second day of Yontif. So, Yom Tov Beis the Shavuos who Tamua. Here you have the Sam Sofer saying the very concept of the second day of Shavuos is itself bizarre, like uh, hard to understand, hard to hard to to to, to get a grasp on it. They never observed this holiday out of doubt, as the Rambam writes, blah, blah, blah. They would keep two days Pesach, even though the messengers got there, lest they make a mistake in Tishrei. Shavuos is always 50 days after the second day of Passover. The whole world, the whole Jewish world, knows when Nisan was established as Rosh Chodesh. Our ancestors never observed the second day of Shavuos out of doubt. Never. Therefore, what must be said about the second day of Shavuos? It is a decree as a safeguard protecting Pesach, which is itself protecting Sukkos. And therefore, what? Is it, is it a serious matter or a not so serious matter? Okay, so I was I was leading you on that you should say so. Therefore, it's not such a serious matter. It's a safeguard and a safeguard and a safeguard. So it's not so serious. Ah, but what? Chamur tefei. It's more serious. Why? Because Pesach and Shavuos are matters of minagavosenu biadenu custom that we observe because our ancestors did it, and even though the logic is completely gone. Uh, we, we were told to follow in the footsteps of our forefathers, but it has the level of custom, minhag, as opposed to Shavuos, which was never a custom. It only exists as a matter of law, as a decree safeguarding the other holidays. So the irony of ironies is that even though it has really no logical basis whatsoever, halachically, in the viewpoint of the Sam Sofer, it's more important than the other ones. How do you like that? So she would have been an aguna. Basically. So he, so so he wrote. You couldn't. You, no writing of the get, even if she becomes an aguna. Okay. Now let's go to. If you went ahead and wrote the get anyway, it still wouldn't be good because you can't do a contract on yontif. I would think. Uh, no, no, no. It would have been null and void. No, it's not true, really. That's no. not no. no. It's not 
the contracts are valid even on Shabbos. So what about a kufur on the second day? So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So uh, let's now go to um, the, the second pa- pa- par- paragraph of that Chasim Sofer. Simon Reish Nun. So Adavar Tzarech Le'iyun V'chakiros Chacham. This matter requires intense uh, scrutiny by the sages. Me'ayin Bal Anu Yom Tov Beis B'Shalat Seris. Why do we even have the second day of the holiday? After all, there never was a Safek. It's fifty days after the second day of Pesach. And Umimanavshach. If uh, I will just read it, I'll give you the English version of it. If they knew when Rosh Chodesh Nisan was, so then uh, there's no worries about it because. You don't need to know when Rosh Chodesh Iyar or Rosh Chodesh uh, Sivan would be, since that's immaterial. It's just counting of the Omer. And if they didn't know, well, then the messengers would have had an obligation to keep pushing forth into the farthest reaches of the diaspora with, reg- with regard to Rosh Chodesh Nisan until every last person knew, so every last person would know. Which means the two sides of the coin are either they knew or they knew. Not either they knew or they didn't know. Either they knew, or we would have made sure that they knew. One way or another. One way or another, they would have known. Okay, therefore, there's no suffix, there's no minog, there's only gzera. Okay. Um, but, that said, even the chsam sofer, in another responsum, turned things in the other direction. So let's go to chsam sofer, chilek beiz, reishnun, the, the, the second to last source on the page. The whole point of the second holiday of Shavuos is a protective mechanism uh, on Nisan, and Nisan itself is because of Tishrei, and Tishrei itself is because of the minute possible chance that witnesses um, uh, that witnesses came after Yom Kippur and reversed the earlier uh, uh, ruling um, because remember, how many days Yom Kippur do we observe? One. One. Why don't we do two days Yom Kippur? Because the public can't handle two days. All right, that's the real reason. But the assumption is the assumption is that Elul was twenty nine days. Elul was twenty nine days. Why is that the assumption? Okay, so uh, because. Elul was always 29 days. The, the Talmud says that from the time of Ezra until the rabbinic era, there never was a situation when El had 30 days. The calendar was always rigged that it was 29. Which would mean that why do you keep two days Sukkot? On the off chance that there was a 30th day of Elul? But it never happened. So Shavuos is a safeguard against Pesach, which is a safeguard against Sukkot, which is a safeguard against nothing. That, something that never happened. All right. Therefore, what the Chassam Sofer says, you can be lenient. Now, wait a second. He says here on, on other halachic matters you could be lenient, but when it comes to an aguna and writing a get, he was tough and said you couldn't do it. Was it a So, goes to show you that even in, in, in the writings of one achron. You could have contradictory trends on, a, on, on the same topic. One day he said it was a, it was chamur tefei, it was very serious. Another day he said, eh, it's a, a kula mina Torah." All right, okay. So now, what are some of the reasons to allow the writing of the get? 
why did Elazar Landau say that in 1831 that this should be done? So one explanation was that the dead person benefits from the resolution of his wife's status in leveret marriage, meaning his soul doesn't come to rest until he knows that his widow either is in Yibam with his brother or has been released through Chalitza and is now a free woman. That his soul is upset in turmoil until that happens. And uh, just as we are lenient in matters of burial on Yom Tov, including the second day Yom Tov, in order to give Nachat Ruach to the soul of the deceased, because the soul hovers over the body until it's buried, that's what the, 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 the tradition tells us, so too the soul is, is agitated by the, the unresolved status of his widow. Therefore, do the get and make sure that this problem doesn't, doesn't come about. Where do we see that, that you're allowed to bury somebody on Yom Tov? So go back to the top of the page. Russia, uh, this is the Gemara in Beitzah Davvav. Okay, towards the top. Person dies on the first day of Yom Tov, the Goyim bury the body. Dies on the second day of Yom Tov, the Jews bury the body. Even if it's Rosh Hashanah. Okay? Uh, do we do this nowadays? Yes. Okay, so... Correct. So, so, the, so certain Hasidic groups that have their own cemeteries will bury on Yom Tov... The goyim will drive the, the, the hearse, only the immediate family will go in the car, and they'll go off upstate to the cemetery and bury the body. It happened in the fire, it was on, it was on Shavuos, actually, right. where the, daughter, the granddaughter of the Rebbe died. And uh, the, the Yekis do it too, the Germans do it also. Other Jews in America do not do it, and for a very simple reason, the cemeteries are closed. They're not, and they're not going to open up. So you have to have your own cemetery, your community has to be very tight-knit with access to uh, the Beis HaKfaros, we, in general, we don't do this. You know, Plaza, Riverside, uh, Sinai, they're not open. Gutterman's, they're closed. They're not open. They're not open. Okay. Interestingly, it says on the first day the Goyim do it, on the second day the Jews will do it. So the Gemara says, Yom Tov Sheni Kechol With respect to funerary matters, the second day of Yom Tov is treated as a weekday. That even, like, inc- the incidental issues that, that come about with a funeral that involve malacha, you're allowed to do it. The Hasidim probably didn't do you know, all the incidentals, they just kept it to a minimum, but at least they're doing something. Why do we indulge in the delay? Because we have refrigeration. Back in those years, there was no refrigeration. It would have been a bad idea to wait, uh, especially a three-day yontif like we have now, Shavuos, the body would be decomposing terribly. Okay, so that's one reason to allow the get. Another reason, just as... Uh, the halachists allowed the, the um, extinguishing of a fire in order to prevent a tremendous loss, a hefsed maruba, so too we should allow the writing of a get in order to prevent a disaster like an, uh, like an aguna crisis. That's, that's another, another theory that, that was put forth by Landau. The third theory, which is actually put forth and then rejected by the Chassam Sofer himself, is to give nachas ruach satisfaction, emotional satisfaction to the live person who's on, on death's door. Meaning the guy's still alive. He knows, he's lucid. He has to, have to actually authorize the get for it to be valid. So he's got to be lucid. And what's he thinking? That I don't want my wife to be an aguna. 
I want her to, I'd rather she be a divorcee in the last five seconds of my life than for her to have to suffer indefinitely going forward. So, nachas ruach for the dead guy. But, that's not uh, good enough. Why? Because if it were true that you could write on Yom Tov to give nachas ruach to a guy who's about to die, then let's say he didn't write a will and you see he's on the verge of death and it's Yom Tov Sheni, we would have allowed, the postkin would have allowed writing a will to, satisfy, to, to uh, adjudicate financial matters, you know, to, to prevent machlokas. Okay. Well, forget, forget the divorcee, for the kids. Let's say the, the, the kids need to know who's going to get what, who gets the VCR, who gets the DVD player. And so, so Sam Sofer says, if, if, uh, if it were true you could write a get, you could write a will. But in fact, nobody ever said you could write a will. And lo ra'inu, lo ra'inu, what's the rest of the expression? Lo ra'inu, lo ra'inu eno raya. Normally we say, if you haven't seen it, it doesn't prove that it's, that, it's, that it's wrong. Here he says, lo ra'inu, raya. The fact that we haven't seen it means you can't do it. The fact that no one ever did such a thing, and no one ever even suggested such a thing, means it's asur, it's forbidden. So if it's asur to do that, it's asur to write a get. That was, those were his theories against. Um, another reason against was that what happens if, a, if a, an infant dies? An infant dies before eight days old. Baby boy. No foul. So what do you do to the bris? Okay, so the Hebra Kadisha cuts off the orla of the nafil uh, before burying the, the body. Okay, what happens if the burial is done on Yontif? Is the, is the orla cut off? Answer, no. no. Now, why is the orla cut off? Because of it, the, the, this sounds very Catholic, uh, like uh, you know. Uh, no, the Catholics believe in uh, in in, in, uh, in without in the absence of baptism, you're damned to hell for eternity. Uh, so, you, you, like eternal purgatory for for those who were not uh, with the holy water. Judaism doesn't believe that if you died in Aurel, you're automatically condemned to the Gehenna forever, but. Nonetheless, we want you to go into the next world having been mahul, having been uh, circumcised. Therefore, we do this for the spiritual advantage of the deceased baby. But we don't do it on Yantif, which means that for all the talk of the spiritual advantages of the deceased baby, we're not going to violate Yantif. Therefore, don't write a get either, because uh, spiritual advantages don't matter uh, to, to violate the halacha and, and the Olam Hazeh in this world. Okay. Is that kind of low-egg morosh? Because it's yantif and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre to do a mitzvah. I mean, but then again, you could do it during the call. I, mean, uh, I don't know. Okay, so... Yeah. To Horei, it's a pure neshama. That's what we believe. That's it. Okay. You're right, but custom is custom. Okay, so with all this said, wh- what is the, the, the end result? Well, in that case, the, 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 guy, the guy died a day later, the, the, the woman was divorced. But in general, Yom Tov Sheni Shel Shavuot, how shall we treat this? So, so, so the Chassam Sofer, Sofer argued 
that it's a very strict uh, uh, matter of the law. It's chamur tefei because it is a gezerah, it is a rabbinic decree as opposed to a matter of custom. I'm told that in, a, in, in the late 20th century, Rav, uh, Rav Aaron Soloveitchik and Ashir at Wayu said the halacha is against the Chsam Sofer. That the second day of Shavuos is not, a, is, not, is not a very strict matter. It's a lenient matter. It's only an issue of minhag and not a gzera, not a din. I don't know. Supposedly, that, that's what he said. I wasn't there to hear him say it. But... Uh, okay, so what about, to conclude... What about uh, those parts of the world where Yom Tov Sheni was not being observed? Meaning, well, there were no Jews there. So, I mean, in the vicinity of Eretz Yisrael, where knowledge of the site of the calendar would have been readily available for both Nisan and Tishrei, what happens to the second days of the Chagim uh, for Nisan and Tishrei, or for that matter, for Shavuot. If there was no Minagavotenu, therefore there's no Pesach and Sukkot. If there's no Pesach and Sukkot second day, there's no Lo Plug and no Shavuot second day. Well, what parts of the world were, am I talking about? So, the far reaches of Eretz Yisrael, like Eilat, like the northern Galilee, possibly, maybe Lebanon, southern Syria... Maybe even Damascus, could be even Aleppo, I don't know. Uh, do these pl- places keep second day of Yom Tov? And the answer is that most of them do keep second day of Yom Tov uh, in the areas that are beyond the borders of you know, British Mandate, Palestine we'll call it. Why? Because of this idea that Yom Tov Sheni is Shel Galuyot, of the diaspora, despite the fact that that's not how it began. Now, what about Eilat? So, is Eilat in the Galut? By the standards of the, by the standards of Trumot and Masroth, which means the borders of the Second Commonwealth, it very much is outside of Eretz Yisrael. But by the standards of today, or by the standards of uh, the, the, the Grand Kingdom of Solomon, it would be in Eretz Yisrael. So, what do people do in Eilat? For the most part, they keep one day. Why? Because it's not it's not Galuyot, it's Medinat Yisrael. So, terminology often played a significant role in the, in in the figuring out of later practice, despite having nothing to do with the boundaries as they originally were and as logically should have been. Okay, so that's 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 where we. Uh, we leave it off today, that uh, Eretz Yisrael equals Medinat Yisrael, and there you keep one, everywhere else you're, you're going to keep two, even on Shavuos, despite the fact that we know when the Omer began and we know when the Omer ends.